Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. out there. Thanks so much for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. I'm your host, Betty Jo Tucker, speaking to you during the second full week of June 2011. We have a great show planned for you today, folks, because our guest is Brendan Wayne, grandson of the legendary actor John Wayne, who has agreed to talk about his upcoming film, Cowboys and Aliens, and I can't hardly wait to hear about that, as well as how his grandfather influenced his acting career. In addition to Cowboys and Aliens, Brendan has appeared in a number of movies and TV shows, such as Couples Retreat, Fast and Furious, Angel and the Bad Man, CSI and The Closer, one of my favorite TV shows. You know, I've been looking forward to this interview for a very long time, folks, so it's my pleasure to bring Brendan on now. Thanks for agreeing to be on our show today, Brendan. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we're so glad that you could find time to to be here today, and we have lots of questions to ask you, but first, let's see if Danny Dyer and Jazz Shah are ready to help with the show. Danny, are all systems going, our chat room? Yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and could you tell um, the listeners who aren't in the chat um, how they could be part of that experience? All you have to do is to scroll up to the top of the screen that you're listening to the show on and click Sign Up, and it takes all of two seconds to sign up for a free account with Blog Talk Radio, and it'll bring you right back to our show, Movie Addict Headquarters, and you can type with us in the chat room. Yay, and it's really easy and lots of fun. In fact, if Nikki Starr were here, she'd say the chat is where it's at. And speaking of Nikki, we're sending our best wishes for her recovery. If you're listening, Nikki, please get well soon. We all miss you. And I want to thank you, Danny, for being our uh, producer and chat wrangler today. And thanks to the people who've signed up as well as our other listeners. Now, let's bring on Jazz to start today's interview. I know that he has, uh, well, he's probably uh, jumping at the bit to ask Brendan some questions about Cowboys and Aliens, which, by the way, is one of the summer movies I'm most eager to see. So go ahead, Jazz. You have the floor now. It it is one of the movies we're looking forward to. I was uh, on a show earlier today in D.C. had nothing to do with movies in general. Uh, it was a political show. And believe it or not, Cowboys and Aliens came up because somebody was discussing that as, as just one of the most interesting entries coming up uh, uh, for the summer season, and p- people are looking forward to it. Uh, thanks for joining us, Brendan. Uh, th- th- this does seem like a really unusual entry, even even for summer films. Uh, so 
uh, to start off, you know, how, how did you uh, get tempted into this? How did you first get involved in this project? Oh, I, I, you know, being an actor, I try to keep up on what's coming out and who's making what, see, see you know, where I can get my work. And um, this was brought to me by my uh, manager, and I thought to myself, I, I think he must have misspoke because I was like, Cowboys and Aliens, you mean Cowboys and Indians? He's like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, are we, are, are we talking about some low-budget fare? So what's going on here? And, and he was like, I assure you it is with the royalty of Hollywood. And I was like, what does that mean? And it was like Spielberg, Ron Howard, uh, Orsi, Kurtzman wrote it, Favreau's directing, and then he went through the list of, you know, the icons that are in this movie from, you know, Daniel Craig, Harrison Ford, Clancy Brown, Keith Carter. I was like, You're, what? Who, what? And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's get in on that if we can. And I happened to uh, be doing a play with my wife in Hollywood, uh, and the casting director for this movie had come to it and, and really liked my work and she goes keep your look because at the time I was very blue collar kind of rough looking and uh, she said keep the look I have something I want you to come in for and sure enough she called me in and, and uh, next thing I know I'm doing a horseback riding callback which I was I brought my own horse to which probably helped me a little and uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was great. It was really it was really amazing. I, I, me getting into this movie had a lot to do with the people who I'm surrounded by, you know, from Bobby McLaughlin, who helps me ride and helps me learn things on the horse, to uh, Terry Leonard, who was playing the second, who was playing, who was the second unit uh, stunt coordinator. His first movie he ever did was he did stunts on Real Lobo with my grandfather, and he ended up dating my aunt's and uncle's nanny during that uh, shoot. And so he uh, he took me under his wing and really protected me and made sure, you know, that I did nothing to uh, tarnish the image of my grandfather. Oh, wow. my gosh. Well, um, what type of stunts did you did you have to perform? Well, I, I, I can't be really specific. I, mean, I, I did have a fight scene in the bar, which is absolutely tremendous and fun. And, and you know, the way Favreau approached this script, was to make a classic Western that happened to have aliens. I think today you can't really do a Cowboys and Indians movie without in some way or another offending a a, a culture. So John found a way to make that classic movie without being offensive. And that's where the aliens come in. So um, we, we had some challenges, you know, in that this movie is really very little CGI and what CGI in there is very effective as opposed to, it's the CGI that makes the movie. He re- he made a western, and so we had to really ride horses. And uh, I probably rode more than most, just in that I was willing to do my own stunts. And uh, and and thanks to Terry, I was able to do my own stunts. And so uh, I did some I did some stunts off the horse. I did some stunts in the in the bar. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I, when you're going, you know, as fast. As, as flat out as you can on a horse and you're jumping over cactus and other things like that and there's a camera right next to you in a car and horses sure don't like cars driving next to them let alone a car with an arm off it it was uh it was adventurous to say the least well i heard you had a little maybe this is just a rumor that you had a little uh, rivalry um with your stunt with uh olivia wilder the leading lady is that true or is it just a rumor 
I don't even know if you can consider it a rivalry. I think I think she she came in and 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 blew the doors off everything. The fact that she was willing to do her own stunts and then and then and make them more than you know they they had ever intended. Letting one of the leads, you know, she she went very uh, aggressive on her stunts and we she came in at lunch and I was about to do my stunt, which is going to be, you know, what I understood to be a pretty simple but very adventurous stunt and she came in and was like i did my own stunt and and it was off the horse and it was a live horse it wasn't one of the fake horses that we have and and she (laughs) proceeded to talk about my stunt as if you know she had just done it i go are you kidding me right now she's like no i I did it It was amazing i was like god i'm really proud of you and then immediately in my head i went my stunt has to be better i mean i went (laughs) macho and stupid as quick as the next guy it was quite amazing. So I ran down to set, said, you know, after lunch, all the guys that we were having lunch with looked at me and were like, guess your stunt's not so good. And I was like, no, my stunt's going to be good. And I ran down and talked to Tommy Harper, the first unit stunt guy, and I said, Tommy, I don't care. I don't care if they make 10 sequels and if I'm, you know, potentially going to be in them, whatever, light me on fire, shoot me off the horse. It's got to be better than Olivia's. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, I I don't know if we can do that. I don't even have a stunt double for you. I was like, I don't care. Let's get this done. And my uh, the, one of the stunt guys who was going to help set up the stunt came up to me and was like, Hey, I got you covered. We got one for you. And he told Tommy, you know, we're going to do the gooch. And uh, and I was I you know I don't even know what it is. And I was like, Yeah, let's do that. I'm I'm good with the gooch. And Tommy's got his eyes wide, looking at me like you are the dumbest guy I know. And I'm like, I got to go ask John. He goes, and I don't even think John heard the whole sentence. He was already out, thumbs up, saying, go for it. And, uh, you know, the rest is on uh, on film so we can watch it. It's, actually, you can catch it in the preview. I guess think, I think that's about as far as I can go with describing it. But <laughs> I did it, and it was, to say the very least, adventurous. Oh my gosh! Now we can hardly wait to see it. But I—I'm I, afraid I got so excited I interrupted Jazz. <laughs> so, Jazz, sorry about that. I know you have some more questions about about this movie. Oh no! Don't apologize. A- actually, I—I I, want to just wind it back a little bit because something you you mentioned earlier intrigued me. The difference between old style movies where you could offend people, but h- how true do you think, without giving too much away about the plot? Uh, yeah. Was this an experience that kind of harkens back to the the old cowboy film? So, you know, go, going all the way back to the black and white era, does it still carry that flavor? Or do you consider this more of like a sci-fi film? No, it's, this is a Western first foremost, and we'll finish as it's a, it's a story of humanity overcoming a great odds and and how you do it and how do you get it done. And I think that's, I think the movie captures that really well and I think you know people and maybe I'm jumping the gun on a question you had but people ask me you know what would your grandfather think of this and you know in in its synopsis maybe he might have rolled his eyes but in the actual implementation and the way John uh, filmed it and told the story I think he would have been so excited to tell a story an original story an original way that, you know, all other things would have 
gone to the wayside because it really is. It's got every classic Western character. You have the preacher, the drifter, the town tough guy, his derelict son, the sheriff and Keith Carradine, uh, you know, Sam Rockwell's playing the bartender, Olivia Wilde's the mysterious woman. And, I mean, you really do have – and you have Deputy Lyle, who I play, the, you know, tried through trying to keep the values of the town up. Um, I, I well, think tell us a little, tell, yeah, tell us a little bit more about the deputy. I mean, you know, what what is your role? How would you relate it to other films? And, and, and what's your piece of the puzzle in this film? You know, it's I, – I, I obviously haven't grown up as John Wayne's grandson. I, I grew up with his movies, much like everybody else in this country and around the world. Um, and I had a great insight because my mom was a great tutor in regard to classic storytelling. And uh, she used to always relate these characters in my grandfather's movies to, like, mythology, to Greek mythology and what kind of mm-hmm. character is that and, and such. Because that's, you know, to me, the Western is our country's mythology like it or, or not, it's there. I think it helps define what we want our country to be represented as. And uh, um, Deputy Lyle, he, he plays, he reminds me a lot of uh, Patty Fitzgerald who played in a lot of my grandfather's movies. He's, uh-huh. uh, he's, he's kind of fun. And at the same time, when it gets serious, he's there to be in action. He's not somebody who sits on the wayside and lets life happen. He's going to go get it, and he does the right thing when the right moment occurs. And, uh, I, you know, I I hearken it in a very small way to my grandfather's roles in that he played a regular guy who did the right thing in the toughest moments quite often. He made mistakes. Almost all his characters weren't, you know, white hat, white shirts. They were real human beings that he portrayed in a bigger way. So I think Deputy Lyle can represent that type of guy. And I think, you know, uh, his journey in this is is relatable to the everyman more than anything else. You've got the connection that, that, that goes back to the old films, plus you, you've got a touch of the new um, sci-fi stuff. Do you think audiences are going to connect with this? Is that a, is that a leap they can make, or uh, are, are you yeah, concerned that you know it's it, a mix? I think it easily is going to draw in a bigger demographic than would if it was just a straight western or if it was just straight sci-fi. I think you're going to get young mm-hmm. and old, and I think you're going to be able to. At least this is my hope for the movie is that it's going to bridge a gap and allow a dialogue to happen between. You know, maybe I'm being fanciful because I grew up with movies helping a lot of dialogues in my family. We A lot of conversations were started because of stories we saw on film. And I'm hoping that's what this starts. And it bridges the gap between generations and people can share their, hey, this is a movie you should see. I mean, to me, my, I have three little girls uh, from 12 to 19 months, and uh, – they, my three-year-old and my 12-year-old have both seen Man Who Shot Liberty Valance and both love the movie. And it's a story that I hope that, you know, draws people into other stories, you know, classic Westerns that, that, aren't, uh, that aren't seen by the young people today because, you know, either it's not marketed or, or whatever. It's just not one of those movies in the market uh, place. So I think what we see in this movie 
is the ability to touch on two different genres in a really genre respects both genres so much that I think both sides will be tremendously excited by what they see. The the aliens in this movie, they're not going to, you know, you're not going to see a lot of CGI, but when you do see it, it's really well done and it's a tool to produce, you know, to propel the story as opposed to just kind of, you know, wow you and it will wow you <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I'm, I'm ready to be i'm definitely ready to be wowed and i wonder if um, danny has any uh, report on the chat room right now in terms of any questions or comments or danny if you have questions of your own oh my goodness i get to ask questions <laughs> yes <laughs> You just don't know how excited, Brendan, we are to have you. I have been talking about it all week. I've been talking about John Wayne when he played in True Grit. That is one of my favorite oh, yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, it must have been good because they tried to remake it. Oh, yeah. It, to me, I bought the new one, but I really like the old one a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. I wanted well, to uh, ask you. Real quick, I know Harrison Ford must have hit, uh, must have been a fun character to work with, but Daniel Craig always plays this uptight character in all his movies. So is he really uptight, or is he more of a laid-back person in real life? Uh, he was the most impressive. I mean, Harrison Ford, uh, shoot, I used to sit in front of the Lorena Theater in the Valley here, and uh, I waited I think 10 hours out in front of the theater so that I could make sure I got seats in the Sea Temple of Doom. And that was, that was a different experience because he was more of a, an idol to me. Whereas Daniel Craig, I can relate to him on some level. And so when I get on set and I see these two guys here and I see, you know, Harrison Ford, I'm like, Oh, 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 oh. there's, there's Indiana Jones, (laughs) you know, there's Han Solo. Uh, And then on the flip side, you go, there's James Bond and, to me, the Bond franchise is really important. I grew up with that as well. And Sean Connery was my favorite. And then, for once, they've put in somebody who I think can carry that same torch that Sean did, which is I was amazed at Daniel's ability to be, you know, people want to compare him to Steve McQueen, but I think he's got as much Cary Grant in him as he does Steve McQueen. And he's got a oh. grace and a style offset. And before the cameras start rolling, that you're like, this guy knows everybody's name, and I mean everybody's name on set. And it's not a put-on. You know, he's, he didn't, you know, study it so that I'd walk away and go, God, he's impressive. That's just who he is. And he's an incredibly gracious man, and, and uh, you can approach him anyway, and everybody did, and he didn't, you know, he didn't have a problem with it, which was really amazing because, you know, this is a, a big franchise starting here. And uh, he's got certain things that he's got to uphold, just like Harrison. And people want to see, just much like my grandfather. And yet the pressure doesn't he, – he loves acting so much, and he trusts himself enough to know that he'll be there. And when he's off the set, it is what it is. His fame is where it is because people like you and me and everyone else love to go watch him. So he respects them, and, and he gives it back. So, yeah, he's an, incre- <clears throat> he's an incredibly good man. Well, Danny, does that answer your question? I think you can you can be relieved by that answer, right? 
Yes, yes, that relieves me so much. Well, well, you know, um, Brendan, we we absolutely uh, loved your grandfather. Uh, I mean, I I actually have seen probably most of his films since. Um, Gosh, I hate to say the year, but it was 1939 and Stagecoach, <laughs> and oh, I yeah. did see it. <laughs> I did see it on the big screen. So I'm telling you know a little bit about my age, and my gosh, <laughs> over 200 films that that he made, and just is as as we said in the uh, description for the show today, uh, a legendary film icon and. I, I was just, I know that Jazz has some questions to ask you about your grandfather, so I'm going to go back to him, and then and then I I also have some things that I would like to ask you about him. So go ahead, Jazz. Well, that, that's a really nice setup. Uh, I, I will admit, Brendan, I, I I'm curious. We've had some other people on who have come from, you know, just dynasty families. It was just last week uh, we were talking to Tyrone Powers' son. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. The, it, it's sort of a mixed bag uh, about how some actors and actresses feel uh, coming from a family. You've got this this huge shadow, you know, uh, when you have someone in your family of of that sta- just immortal stature. Um, how has that worked out for you? How has that affected your career, your approach to acting? You know, some people get contacts out of it, but also it, it can, for some, be kind of a distraction because people are just interested in in your forebears. I mean, how how has that been for you? You know, being you know from from that lineage and then working in the same industry. Oh, I think I think first of all, I have a, an incredible advantage compared to say my uncles because they lived in his shadow. You know, and no mm-hmm. matter where they went, that shadow had to carry. Um, I'm far enough removed uh, that he, he's more of an idea and more of a legend than he was, you know, acting. By the time I got around to acting, I didn't initially intend to ever be an actor. Um, My poor mother had made it through seven of her children without any of them jumping into the business. Uh, And she thought she'd made it with me, except for when I was about 25. She was uh, begging me to go back to school, and I said, well, Mom, there's really only one thing I want to study. And I think that was when she went white knuckled on the chair. And I said, <laughs> acting is where I want to go. And uh, she was like, all right, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to tell you right now. And she laid it out. She said, hey, look, your grandfather's John Wayne, obviously. You know that. We've lived with it. But now you're going to go into a business that he dominated, and he still dominates to this day. I mean, Harris Pohl puts some number three alive or dead actors this year. So you're talking about a guy who's living – in spite of his death, constantly in people's, you know, movie repertoire. And so she said, if you're going to do this, you're going to be as good as you can be, and you're going to train as hard, and you're going to know everything you need to know because you can't. People will expect it. And uh, I don't know that I got that. Would you say that, not to interrupt you, but – was your grandfather an influence on that decision, or do you think if you had been born, if your grandfather had been, you know, like a a, a pipe and plumbing fixture salesman, uh, did you still feel that bug? You think you still would have gone into acting anyway? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, I would imagine, yeah. I, I just on how I was growing up, 
uh, you know, being the last of eight kids, I got five older brothers, two older sisters, and they, I was always doing some kind of show or something like that. I don't think I ever thought to myself, acting, that's the one, because when I went to college, I was going to be a child psychologist initially. Um, then they said I had to take calculus too, and I refused. Blame um, <laughs> you. I, I, don't feel, I don't feel bad. I, I, I flunked that one myself. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't even I didn't even allow it. I just said, okay, we're switching topics here, guys. Sociology sounds like a great major, um, but uh, I I think no matter what I would have done, I was being pulled there, and uh, and I think my energy and my you know the, just the way I am kind of leads to that. And then you know the thing that people don't know or don't. You know, we don't promote it as Hollywood as an image because we like the, you know, I was sitting at Schwab's and I was found, you know, drinking a cream soda, you yeah. know, that that kind of thing. But there is so much hard work in this business. And my mom shared that with me. And she said, look, your grandfather didn't walk in and have a swagger and was fully confident and was just who he was. He became who he was through experience, through learning. And no matter what you do, whether you want to be a CPA, whether you want to be a teacher, you have to do it to your best of your ability because you do represent something bigger than yourself. And she's like, that's your family. And then Your mother has so, uh, has the right idea. She gave you definitely the right, the right advice. And, of course, being on the set, which I'm sure you did uh, visit some of the sets the, sure. uh, of the films that your grandfather was making and – that that probably uh, helped a lot too to uh, well, pique your it, interest it was in the fun business. for me as a kid because I I was able to I was able to go to these sets. But you know, as a kid, I didn't think there were sets. I thought this, you know maybe my buddy Tony's dad went and dressed up when he went to work. I don't know. I thought everybody's dad was, <laughs> was a cowboy until he passed away, and then uh, you know we take three different cars to get to the, you know, and this is before media really dominated. We take three different cars to get to the funeral, and I started to piece something together. And then I was at the uh, was at Congress when they were minting a coin for him, and uh, uh, someone came up and asked for my autograph. I remember looking at my older brother, and I was like, Dave, <laughs> he was like, sign it. Trust me, it means something to her. And that was when I was like, okay, I get it. I, I, I'm i starting to piece together that granddaddy wasn't just granddaddy. He was this other guy, the Duke, to these other people. And, uh, you know, that was really cool to find that out. And so, you know, I'm incredibly proud, and my life has been blessed like tons because of who my grandfather is. And I'd never – I don't hesitate to talk about him, and I don't hesitate to celebrate him, and I do not mind riding his coattails the way I do. (laughs) So I I, – the family issue is my my – my family definitely informed who I am, and acting definitely is something that runs in our blood. And well, I don't, I, I don't I, blame you for for uh, choosing showbiz too, with all, with it in your blood, so so deeply in your blood. And you know, Brendan, like so many other movie addicts, I have a number of favorite John Wayne films. Um, heading my list is uh, The Quiet Man, and close to that. Yeah is uh, a movie that you already mentioned, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which isn't a regular, I mean, it's not your cookie-cutter western. I was wondering if no. you have a favorite. 
Well, or some uh, favorites Mary, of Mary Child Liberty Valance was the one, the first one I remember watching, and that's oh. that's one of them, western wise. Uh, the Cowboys is amazing to me uh, for a million reasons. I just love the story, and I love, you know, I love that he was challenged, and 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 you know, not to spoiler alert, he gets shot and killed by Bruce Stern. You know, you you have this icon. And they were risky enough to go and kill him in a movie. And, you know, just understanding movies in general, that's a great challenge to overcome. And those kids Well, that, that was the first was time, amazing. right? I mean, he had, in all those films, that was the first time his character had ever died, right? He had, he had died, he died in, uh, and, and I'm asked this quite often, actually. He died in three movies. And if I could remember all, he died in The Shootist. And then he died in the Cowboys, and he died in one before that, and I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head right now. But there's, huh. there was one more. But the cool thing about you talked about Stagecoach is that I was able to work with Keith Carradine, who was my sheriff to my deputy, and Carradine's father, John, was in Stagecoach, and he was yeah. in The Shootist. He was in the first breakout movie of my grandfather's career, and he was in the last. And The Shootist, for me, will always hold probably top spot because I know where he was at physically during that movie, and I know mm-hmm. the character he was playing. And it was amazing because, you know, he's playing a guy who's dying of cancer, and at the time he had just, you know, been diagnosed. You know, they had to stop shooting for two weeks just so he could recoup oh. enough to finish the movie. And there was oh. no way he wasn't going to finish that movie. So uh, wow. I, I love that movie. And Bacall and Stewart and, and Scatman, all those guys in that movie are just so good that, you know, to me, the shooter just really carries his whole plate of movies with him. So it was, it, I, the shooter is really beautiful. And I remember being on that set really vividly. So that will always hold special sway over me. I can see why. And, of course, um, the... Um the first, did you say the first uh, one of your fa- grandfather's films that you saw was The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? Yeah, that was the first one I saw. And I that thought, you is... know, people don't give him enough credit as an actor, and if they need they need to see what kind of actor he was, I think you go watch that movie and you realize he wasn't playing the white-hatted cowboy. He was, again, doing the right thing at the right time, and he played him so subtly and so well that it was, you know, really beautiful. And and you know, Betty Joe, he wasn't just a cowboy. And when people ask, what's your favorite John Wayne film, I I always feel like I'm one of the outsiders because, you know me, I I love war films. I mean, you know, that's one of my big things, Pat and everything. And and honestly, one of my favorite uh, uh, films uh, from Brendan's grandfather was Flying Leathernecks. And, oh, yeah. I mean, that was just, that was a fantastic movie. I, I have it on DVD, and I, I've probably watched that like like 40 or 50 times. Oh, wow. And, that's awesome. <laughs> you and know, Sands of Iwo Jima. Yeah, Sands yeah. of Iwo Jima. I think he was nominated for an Oscar. He did a number that. of war films where he was not a cowboy, and, and he, yeah. he was a lot more versatile than people give him credit. I mean, he was a great cowboy, don't get me wrong, but he oh, was yeah. very versatile, and he did a, he did a lot of different roles. They were all tough. And it, you could even watch McClintock and see where his funny side was. You know, yep. yeah, yep. He could pull those funny movies off. I, I, that's what I, me personally, if I could get him in a movie now, I'd love to see him in 
comedy. I'd love to see what he could do with it because, you know, he was, he, you know, he's this big, strong guy. I'd love to see what they could, you know, what situations they could put him in that would really, you know, challenge him as, as his character. Oh, I think that would be that's that's what I would like to see too. But you know, there there was some comedy with the Quiet Man, I oh, thought, God, yeah. and and that is my favorite. And his work with with Maureen O'Hara in that film was 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 just something memorable. I think they had such great chemistry together, and the everything about that movie worked. But I was wondering, and this is this is something we asked Tyrone Power <laughs> Jr. last week the same question. And it's always fun, I think. If you if you could uh, star in a remake of one of your grandfather's films, which one would it be? That's a good question. Huh. <laughs> um, well, if, if I was taking over his role, um, yes. that's a good question. I probably would uh, lean towards The Quiet Man, personally. I, I, Yay. I, I'm comfortable in the boxing ring, and I, and I love that story, I just, I, you know, and a chance to go back to Ireland would be really great. Um, oh, wouldn't it? But yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think for sure the the Quiet Man, and then a close second would be uh, um, the man who shot Liberty Balance. Although I think the character type is a little bit bigger than me, but I'd try. Well, I, I would personally rather see Brendan do a remake than some of the other efforts that have either been made or been discussed. There are some films. Well, you know me, Betty Jo. I mean, there, there's some films that just shouldn't be remade, like Casablanca and things like that. There's, there's probably a lot of John Wayne films that we don't we don't need to have anybody trying to remake them. Um, I, but by the way, in terms of the comedy, Brendan, I I think your grandfather actually did a lot of comedy that he doesn't get credit for. You and Betty Jo already mentioned um, True Grit was remade, and and I'm not saying it was a bad remake, but the original was, in my opinion, far better. There was a lot of comedy in there. I mean, he played a, a kind of comical character character in True Grit when he's getting you know woke up when he's laying on bed, but yeah, on the bed by the young girl, yeah. and he's drunk and rolling out and stuff, and 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 he he was he was very versatile. Um, you, you probably learned a lot from him, so maybe you could uh, share something. I, I know a lot of Betty Joe's fans. Uh, and this is another one that that we check in on with actors all the time, are people who are either in the industry or looking to get in the industry, students who are starting out, things like that. Uh, From your experiences, do you have any advice that you would offer to people that are looking to get into either acting or or maybe something behind the camera, whatever, to get into into film work? Yeah, you know, this is is probably a longer answer needed, but I, I will say this, beyond, hey, work your butt off, uh, is that we don't have an office to go to as actors. Our office is right. everywhere, whether it's at home or walking through a park. There's always opportunities to learn as an actor, whether it's watching someone's gait when they walk and engaging their age or taking off what you think you see off of them and applying it to yourself, finding ways to constantly work as an actor because we don't, we're not paid to work as an actor often. And so there's a lot of downtime. So unless you're working your craft, you're not being an actor. You know, I, I, I definitely, you know, supported my family through restaurant industry like most actors do. And uh, I bartended for 20 years almost. Um, and uh, I'll tell you right now, there's no better place to see people and to learn from them. And if you're an actor, if you're, if you're in this business, that's your number one job. I watched Sam Rockwell work and, 
um, I was really, I don't know, I, I was really encouraged because he works so hard to make it look so easy, and he does. You watch him work on set, and they're like, hey, uh, can you come up with something? And it takes about a half a second, and you're like, you're a genius. And it's because he's he's constantly thinking about it. That doesn't mean he lived it and never got out of character because that was not the case, but he's always pulling things and, and, and applying it to how he approaches it and how he can lay it in. So I say to anybody who's out there who wants to be an actor who, first of all, don't listen to anybody because they're all going to tell you it's an awful place and all that stuff. And, you know, it's tough, but it's not tougher than any other job you want to be good at. So you got to work at it and you got to find, you know, an hour, two hours a day where that's what you work on because if you don't, you're going to get rusty and your muscle will go away. That's very, very good advice, Brendan. And I, I wanted to be sure and ask you if there are any um, upcoming projects you'd like to mention. I was um, noticing on IMDb that there's a uh, Texas Gate or uh, – let's see, I, I didn't Hell's, get the – Hell's Gate. Hell's Gate. Oh, well, yeah. I, excuse me that I put Texas in place. <laughs> you you just got Texas. everybody in Texas mad at you, Betty Joe. I know. <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> Freudian. No, I'll tell you what, Texas, it's in Texas, Hell's Gate is in Texas, and Possum Kingdom, so it, it's completely acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, what what is that about? That actually is, uh, I, I was doing uh, a, a crazy, I, I, for lack of a better word, a bizarre take uh, on a movie called Clown Hunt. And um Oh yeah. It's one of those it's one of those things you do just to keep working. And uh okay. instead of deers and antelopes and hunting like normal hunters do, we decided that we were gonna hunt that this was a normal thing that people went out and hunted clowns and there was a clown season and there was a mine season, there were these different seasons oh. of hunting clowns and on this uh picture I, I was able to meet a young guy who's about twenty two and uh I don't even know he yeah, he was twenty two. They came to me and said, "Hey, I got the script, and I'd love you to be in it." And I, you know, you meet a lot of guys who say those things, and you're like, oh, "Okay, great." And this kid, uh, I, I don't know where he got the compunction to believe that you could do it your own way, but he did, and he produced this film, this feature-length film, and and I did a short with him that that sold the film, and then eventually he went and made the feature, and I went and did that too, and it was just really great. It was he interwove history into a story of how Hell's Gate got its name. And, you know, he's got characters from John Wilkes Booth to Doc Holliday in this, and they're all interwoven to, through the story. And it, it's kind of a, as a matter of fact, it says in the title, I think it says Hell's Gate and American Conspiracy. And it's really, it was really fun. And it was uh, one of the first Westerns I got to really kind of spread my wings on. And so it, it was a great prep for this particular movie that I just did, Cowboys and Aliens. Well, so that will that that isn't, I guess it's in post-production now. Um, it's actually probably... complete, and they're just going to distribution now. So um, Okay, well, watch for that. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's really fun. It's got some young, great actors in it. And, uh, you know, I think, again, Cowboys and Aliens, it's going to open a floodgate because I think people are going to really love it. It's going to open well. And then this next pilot season on TV, I would venture to guess that you'll probably see 
at least one Western get picked up, and you'll be watching a Western on TV on normal, you know, ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS, mm. you know, TV, which would be great, I think. Well, if you oh, come out yeah. and do any premieres out in New York, Brendan, give me a call because I would love to stop down and go see it with you. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. I, you know, oh. I was just talking to somebody. Uh, I think I did an interview with somebody, and, and I was just talking about how I need to get back out to New York. I'm going to try to find a way to come out in the next few months because uh, I need to get to Magnolia Bakery and get some cupcakes. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Brandon, I I am so sorry to say that our time is almost up. You just really, the time has gone by so quickly. You've been such a wonderful guest, and we want to thank you for sharing so much great information with us. We are all looking forward to seeing Cowboys and Aliens now even more than we were Whoa. before we <laughs> we had you in the show. And we hope you'll visit us again when you have uh, when you have something else that you'd like to talk about. How does that sound to you? Sounds good to me. I'll be doing a Western in Spain this fall, so we'll come back and talk about that. Great, great. <laughs> we'll, we'll, hope, we'll hope to talk with you then, and we'll look forward to that. But it's time to wrap things up now with a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio and at WRSP936 for their support. Thanks again to Brendan Wayne for being with us today, as well as to Danny and Jazz for all their help, and to our chatters and other listeners for tuning in. We hope everyone enjoyed the show. I sure did. Please come back next time when our guest will be new indie filmmaker Rashad Ernesto Green. He's the writer-director of a very uh, gritty and heart-wrenching film called Gun Hill Road. He also received a Spike Lee Fellowship and has been included in Indie Wire's 10 Exciting New Voices in Black Cinema. Don't miss this one. In the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. So Kenny Loggins will take us out with one of our favorite musical numbers. Get ready, everyone. Here comes Footloose.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.